Welcome to Leverage Masters, airing weekly on Tuesdays at 12 Eastern and on demand on iTunes and Blog Talk Radio. Leverage Masters hosts Jack Humphrey and Gina Gaudio Graves discuss leverage strategy with guest leveragists. Be sure to subscribe to Leverage Masters in your favorite podcatcher for great tips and case studies on using leverage to achieve your biggest goals much faster. Well, welcome everyone to another episode of Leverage Masters. I am your co-host, Gina Gaudio-Grace, and along with my co-host, Jack Humphrey, we are the co-founders of TheLeveragists.com and Divizio.com, the all-new affiliate network for those doing good. And we have got a fantastic show lined up for you guys today, don't we, Jack? Absolutely. We have a Toastmaster. I don't know what that is exactly, but I feel intimidated by it, so I'm going to be very careful today with my words. <laughs> I love people from Toastmasters. They're always so much fun. Oh, good. Oh, good. I, no, lowers my anxiety a little. <laughs> yeah, we have a great show today. We have Shirlene Reeves on Leverage Masters today. She is one of only 253 certified financial educators in the U.S., She is the CEO of Massive Visibility Media and speaks on the importance of understanding easy financial principles to enhance global knowledge in an effort to lift awareness and the economy. She she is, as I mentioned earlier, a distinguished Toastmaster specializing in educating coaches, authors, and entrepreneurs on the answers for transforming their businesses by selling with heart. We love that. Developing confidence and stepping onto stages, web TV, podcasts, and radio for massive marketing visibility. Shirlene, welcome to Leverage Masters. Well, thank you so much, and I'm delighted to be here with you. Thank you for the invite. Absolutely. We love cool and dynamic people like you. (laughs) Shirlene comes to us from an introduction from Phyllis Smith, and Phyllis will be our guest next week. I'm starting. Oh, to you're going to be lucky here. to have her. <laughs> yeah. This almost sounds like a conspiracy. Like there's oh, something afoot isn't she, here. Isn't she a dynamo, Shirlene? <laughs> oh, I love her. She's wonderful. I I've um, known her for a number of years now, and I, I can hardly keep up with her. She runs so fast. <laughs> oh. I get tired just listening to her, but boy, am I glad I know her because, man, Jack, she is one of our kind of people. The stuff that Phyllis is into will just blow your socks off big time. Right. So I can't wait to talk to Shirlene today because Phyllis made the introduction. Awesome. Well, it sounds like... uh you know, it's just going to be one of those things where it's hard to contain everything in an hour, but we will do our best, as we always do every week. <laughs> and we always start every week out with the same question. It would be unfair to change the the uh, tradition now to all the previous guests who had to answer it. And that is the indru- introduction is fine and all of that stuff, but catch us up right now to today in your world. What gets you out of bed in the morning with a fire burning in your belly to greet the day right now? What are you so excited about in life oh, and business? I love that question. I absolutely love that question because I work with entrepreneurs who are 
consistently running from one networking to the group to the next, and they cannot figure out how to make money. And they look at their account, especially now, um, you know, when they're doing their taxes or whatever they're doing, and they go, oh, my gosh, how many networking groups have I been to, and look at how much I've spent, and I haven't made any money. So I love working with them because I can show them how to make money. And then when I see them make money, that's what I'm really passionate about because it just confirms that it works. And that's what's so important to me. So that's why I love getting out of bed. <laughs> awesome. I thought you'd have an answer just that good. Um, yeah, so, well, tell us a little bit more about the people that you work with and, and how you help them. I mean, we, we kind of got a picture of what what state you find them in. How exactly do you help them um, get over that hurdle? This is your big, uh, your big gift to the world, right? You know how to do that, mm. and you know how to show people how to do that. Yes, I do, because at one time I had 23,000 working under me. I had a nationwide California C Corporation that I grew. I just bootstrapped it from nothing to multi-millions. And then I used to sell real estate, too, and I was fortunate enough, if you don't mind if I blow my own horn just a bit, um, to be in the top three in the REMAX system. And then, again, when I sold insurance and did financials. Um, and I still do the financial path, but it really isn't what resonates with me as much as working with entrepreneurs and authors and and anybody who's learning to trade or in the health field where they're coaches because they don't know how to sell. And so many came to me and said, Shirlene, would you just show me how you do this? We can't figure out how you consistently stay on the top, but you don't even work that hard. <laughs> and I no. said, wow, I don't know if I want you to know my secret. <laughs> and so um, – I had to think about that for a while because I really didn't know how I did it. And as I, I kind of stepped back in, into the state of just being for about two years, and I thought, this is a really big answer. How am I going to fill this? And over time, I was able to develop it into my new book, Selling Through Your Heart, Empowering You to Build Relationships for Financial Freedom. And I put all my secrets right in that book on how to do it. And it's very simple, actually. It's only three steps. And when you break it down into those three steps, my last group, I take very small groups of 8 to 10, and they have a 90-day boot camp after they go through the course, and they made $308,000 in just 90 days, the group of eight, which was wow. very exciting for my passion. You knew you were onto something then, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. And, you know, when you can prove it in others and you see it in others, that's what really makes the difference. And it's not, it's not the typical sales where you have scripts. You have no scripts. And you get to be completely authentic, and that's what they love. So they kind of just meld it into whatever they're doing and whatever they feel comfortable with, and it works for them. It works every time. You know, I've had a lot of of teachers like you tell me these things over the years, and I've absorbed what I have thus far, and I still, to this day, 
uh, get a little bit of a twinge. Uh, I understand what you're talking about, selling with the heart, and and, and everybody should pick up the book, <laughs> of course, because yeah. it's not it's you it's it's simple. It's three things, right? But you still needed a book to tell the entire story. Otherwise, nobody could stare at the three things and understand intrinsically what that meant or what to do, right? Because people yeah. have heard that for a long time. I mean, they've heard, you know, there is another way to sell which, which doesn't feel like selling, that thing that you're resisting, that you're not really, you know, you say you want to do it and you say you want to succeed, but you, get, you walk right up to that line and then you go, uh-oh, sales. Uh-oh, I can't. Right. I, ha- I hate this. I mean, I'm really dedicated to the vision for my business and for my family and my future and everything else, but uh-oh, sales. And, mm-hmm. and it, these are from people who have the general idea that, there's a way to do sales. There are people out there who make it seem so effortless. And I think sometimes don't we ascribe, um, you know, superpowers to those people? Like it can't be as easy as I'm kind of in the back of my mind thinking it is. They make it look Mm -hmm. easy, but there's something. They have something I don't. They know something I don't. Or some other factor that is present in their lives that's not present in mine is the reason for why, people like them are successful and I'm not when it comes to sales. I mean, isn't that you a really know, big predominant prevailing thought among a lot of people who are kind of stuck on this? Well, that's one I hadn't heard before. So I'm really glad you shared that. I, I'm going to have to uh, put that in my next edition. <laughs> no way did I just say something accidentally that you hadn't heard before. I'm telling you that was a I total accident. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I, you know, I learn so much from other people, and I think that's one of the things that I love about the work that I do because I learn every day. I don't know it all. I just know how I did it. And I, I, one of the biggest challenges that people have is opening that sales conversation. And it just, like you're saying, it just cr- makes them cringe. But, and I'll, I'll tell on myself here, what if you, what if you just uh, walked up to somebody and said, hey, you know, I'm Charlene, how are you doing today? And really got to know who they are. And my favorite question is, Tell me about you. And I teach my my students that it's all about the other person in that first conversation. You don't talk about yourself at all, even if, and this is the fun part, even if they ask you about yourself, you don't get to say. You can say, well, I'll use myself. Um, you know, you, I, I work with people who want to learn how to sell from their heart, but tell me a little bit more about you. I'd love to hear more about, and then it's whatever they just talked about. Because people, the secret to sales is that people want to feel heard, and they want to know that you care. And we've all heard that thing about know, like, and trust. That's old news. But how do we do mm-hmm. know, like, and trust? That's the big thing. And it's all about that first step, really listening to the other person and letting them tell you who they are, what their challenges are. And every person is a salesperson for you because they're either going to be your client or they're going to give you a referral. Hmm. Nice. Yeah, I often wonder what's – yeah, I'm I'm trying to figure out if if really the issue – you know, like we're going to solve humanity's issues with sales all in one podcast. But, you know, what if the issue is not with sales, it's with rejection? 
I mean, what, what do you, in your experience, what do people really have their, what's their deep-seated fear on average? Is it, because what is sales? I mean, what is there to be afraid of when you say sales? But there is a definite thing to be afraid of when you say the word rejection, right? Right, right. And that's, you know, uh, the book is not just about the sales process. It's a 350-page book that talks to you about the stuff we have inside, and that's a big part of the rejection. I work heavily on what it is that you're feeling inside, where that rejection comes from. And let's just talk about rejection since you brought it up. May I? Is that okay? Absolutely yeah. not. Now, now deal with that rejection. <laughs> <laughs> so rejection yes, is of course we did. I'm just going to steamroll right ahead. That's what I have to do on my own show. <laughs> Um, rejection is really based on its absolute fear. And when you think about it, when people, when you feel that rejection, people are in a different space than you are. They're dealing with time, right? Have you ever heard that where people go, I just don't have the time? Yeah. Well, then your, your next question is, well, tell me what you, what's going on in your world. Like you asked me, what are you doing that's taking up all your time? Then they tell you. All right? So they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting the fact that they don't have enough time to take on whatever your project is. Now, let's, let me give you an example. When you go through my system, you, you learn sales. You develop three uh, interactive programs with the correct pricing, and then you go on to massive visibility for massive income. And if you feel rejection, then you can't move forward. So I have a client who has been through my sales course. She already has her program, but she's in another class. So she can't take my massive visibility course until she completes that class. It has nothing to do with me. It has to do with her choice of timing. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, a lot. That helps okay. a lot because I, I think I've been in those situations before where just out of luck and not with skill, I stuck around, I stuck it out, and it probably felt like I was sticking it out, like toughing it out, and mm -hmm. very in, a, in just a moment gave them that out where I realized just in 30 seconds or less I wasn't in the deep, dark waters that I thought I was of rejection, mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. they didn't mean it as rejection, and I'm in a good place again, and we're sitting here chatting. And I knew mm -hmm. that that was a good thing in recent years because if I could get people to do that in the hardest sales job I've ever had, which was with Greenpeace in mm -hmm. Washington, D.C. in 1990, uh, 91 and uh, it, we were canvassing. So we went to all the very richest neighborhoods, Chevy Chase, Maryland, Bethesda, all those really, really, really nice places, as hippies, you know, I didn't do myself mm -hmm. any favors by cutting my hair or not wearing a tie-dye T-shirt or Birkenstocks. And mm -hmm. I, I would knock on these great, big, luxurious doors. They'd hurt your knuckles because they're made out of real solid wood. And, and then when they open the door, your voice echoes in this foyer that ha might have a, you know, a Matisse or something in the hanging on the wall. And you're just like, holy yeah. crap, what am I doing? So... It's funny to say that I have a, a, a thing with rejection because I dealt with that every single day. 
And I learned then, just mechanically, but not from the heart for a while, just mechanically they told you, if you can just get people to talk about what they think about the environment and all of that, uh, and get mm-hmm. them to talk a lot more than you, then they don't see you as one of those crazy people that's always at protests and things like that, and they want you off their porch immediately. Um, they, they don't even see you as anything at all while they're describing what they think about the environment and saving the whales and all that kind of stuff. And once I learned that tactic, I'd come back with $1,500 nights, which were really, really big. Uh, I mm-hmm. made 30% of that as the canvasser. In fact, I was a 100% commission. And sometimes I have to remind myself of that by getting into conversations with people today and realizing, wow, I'm still learning lessons. I'm still bringing up lessons that I learned back then on what I totally consider. I mean, that's I would have been more welcome at those people's houses at dinner time if I was selling encyclopedias than I was with a clipboard <laughs> with some checks on the top of it asking for money for whales while they're trying to eat dinner or do whatever their evening things, you know, are. So Right. It was right. it's interesting how that lesson keeps teaching itself. Right. And we have to feel heard and valued. And if as soon as you jump the gun when you're talking to somebody and you start talking about yourself, you'll know instantly because they'll they'll start looking in other directions. They'll turn you off right away. Mm-hmm. They don't want to hear anymore because you are no longer interested in them. And let's look at this honestly. We live in a very selfish, self-centered world. That's how it is. Everybody is, even when I teach about how to speak on radio, I talk about, Talk about the benefits. Talk about your benefits. Talk about your benefits because nobody cares how you get there. They just want to know what benefit they're going to take away. And if they get to talk to you about their challenges and they feel heard to begin with, then they're going to listen to how you might benefit them. So you were right on with what you were taught. So I don't suggest anybody go knock on doors as a hippie, though. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that wasn't – you know, but here's the thing, and I think this might be instructive as well, and I would love to hear your feedback on it, but I had the best times in the places that I seemed to have a better way to relate. So I, I was lower middle class growing up. I was very comfortable, as we all are, talking to the people that we – identified with, grew up with, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, that can be unfortunate if you, if you totally identify as that. You might end up being lower middle class all your life. But when I went into neighborhoods, when I messed up, you see, the, they didn't want you to mess up in a rich neighborhood because every year you go back to that and you map it off and you see the records from the re- previous year, this one did $800, this route. And Mm -hmm. if you go in and you blow that route out and you only come out with $200, they will demote you. And the next day you're going to go to the poorest part of the town that you're in, and you'll have to raise money a dollar at a time. And people literally writing checks or giving you change for just a dollar or five dollars at a time. And so, but I had really good experiences there, really heart wrenching ones. People who shouldn't have been probably giving me any money were going and little old ladies writing checks for $5 or just going and literally giving me change. I would be clanking down the street when the van was coming to pick me up with all the change that was in my pockets and just a stack of little $5 and even $1 checks 
that would that people would look at and go, "Oh my God, he must have done two thousand dollars tonight. Look at all that. Look at that stack." But they were all one and five dollar checks. But it was moving <laughs> because these guys were like, "No, you are." They were the most supportive. They were the most. Now I don't know now if that was my energy mixing with their energy. I used to ascribe it all to their big hearts and their you know smaller pocketbooks, but they did considerably more. Um, than than their counterparts. So if somebody gave me five hundred dollars at the door at a in a rich neighborhood, that wouldn't be nearly the percentage of income that the person who gave me five in that other neighborhood did. They were really really mm-hmm. giving a lot more, and it just mm-hmm. touched me. And I was like, what is it about um, being in your element? Is there something to that that you've seen in your experience where? You know, people perform a lot better when they understand who they're talking to really, really well, and they just don't feel like they're out of their element. I mean, what kind of importance is there to that? Because, that, again, nobody taught me any of this stuff. It was just an experience I had. Well, that's a really good strategy if you're, if you're selling in neighborhoods. I don't suggest that we do that. Um, I try to go to networking groups. And because I'm a certified financial educator, I do have an advantage there because people tell me all about their money instantly. (laughs) 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 But when we're an entrepreneur and we're teaching classes, you know, there's people who – there's networking groups where people have no money, right, or very little. And then there's, like, I'm attending the EBC, the the (laughs) Evolutionary Business Council event uh, this weekend, or right now, I'm in the midst of it. And they are all the top performers in every industry. I mean, they are Mm. the, the top trainers from everywhere you go. And then I'll go to another event here in San Diego where they are, uh, much less money. Much they're no they're nowhere near the performance that they need to be. Now, let mm-hmm. me tell you something is that the top performers are collaborators. They're it's a different kind of people that you're working with where the others that are in the lower performing area, they're looking for your support. So depending yeah. on uh what you do as a trainer, educator or whatever or a coach you know, you want to go where the people are that need you. Now, let's talk about the fact that they don't have much money. Some people will say, oh, I can't work with those people because they don't have any money. Not true. And this is a win-win for both you and them because you can, if you're okay financially, then you can provide a payment setup so that people can pay you monthly. They're used to doing that. They do it for their cars. They do it on their credit cards. They do it on everything. And you set up a a contract, and they pay you every month, and that works for you too because think about it. If you've got 10 people paying you every month and it's $500 a month, you've got a pretty good income. And maybe you don't have to go out and make a sale that month, right? Right. Yeah. So the sale that just keeps ways. giving. Yes, exactly. And um, I learned a long time ago from uh, Robert Allen, who I had on my show, about multiple streams of income. And I learned that all of these credit card companies and all, all of these other companies 
that lend credit have a lifeline. That's your lifeline, your bloodline. And if you just keep selling one person a month and you have income on a monthly basis from each one of them, you're in great shape. You can't lose. Yeah. So that, that's I've always been fascinated. I teach. Well, I, and that's just a side note. I've always been fascinated with insurance guys. Typically, I live in a pretty small town, so you know, small town insurance guys. And I'm like, man, that a couple of them do really well. And I'm thinking, mm-hmm. how do they do that? Because, and they will say right off the bat, if you get into it with them, it's residual income, and right. you know, selling people, and then you just take care of those people from that point forward, and you just protect right. you know, them with your good service and everything from being snatched by another insurance. Just, but I look at the numbers, and I'm like, man, this is really profound. This is as profound as Warren Buffett's teachings on compound interest and things like that, because if you look at the typical sale that a small-town guy is going to have, some farm insurance, some health insurance, and things like that, the residual to that guy is really not that much per customer. But mm-hmm. they build and build and build, and some of these guys have, I mean, it's just, it's just amazing. Their houses, their cars, and everything just tell a tale of success that, that you right. just can't see if all you do is look at their per-customer uh, income. And I just think that's yes. really fascinating. And it's, it's, it's where you're from, too. You did the insurance thing, too. Probably not, uh, you know, small-town stuff, but, you know, is that, is that fairly accurate? Yeah, you're absolutely right. And when I talk about multiple streams of income, so I have income from the insurance, I have income from my clients, I have income from my rentals. Uh, You know, when you have multiple streams of income, you don't have to have multi-millions sitting in the bank to retire. And that's part of the way that I plan with people financially is, They'll, they'll come to me and they'll be in their late 50s and say, oh, my God, I can never make enough money to retire. And I tell them, but you can if you simply look for different directions that money can come in from. There's things that you have a talent where money can come in. So when you retire, you might set yourself up with Social Security and then you might have an annuity that pays you every month and then you can – have your retirement or whatever you set up to pay you every month, and then you can have a little side business so that you can write everything off. So there's different ways of thinking that allow you to retire even if you don't have a bunch of money in the bank. That's actually a so really cool point because it's it, – it's, so if you had a bunch of money, if you had millions – then you're, you're saying that you're going to be living for the rest of what you think your life is going to even be, and heaven forbid they come through with a medical breakthrough and extend your life for 20 years because that will screw up your whole plan. I mean, yay, exactly. welcome to 20 more years of life, but you have no idea how you're going to pay for it because you had a cash-out plan that was based on what you thought you were going to live, and exactly. you're saying that another way to look at it is to have live, living money coming in uh, all the time because don't people just yes. figure well I'm not earning anymore because I'm not working anymore so I need a, a giant nest egg because I won't be bringing any in and you're talking about a mindset that's completely different it's I'll be earning because I'm going to set up these little mechanisms for me to be bringing in the same amount of money or around the same that I'd be getting an in interest on my million dollar retirement fund that I'm not going to have you because it. it's too late in life to even develop one of those right for a lot of yes. people 
Absolutely. And a lot of people had it. They had a lot of money, but when they went through 2007, 2008, they lost 50% of it. And, you know, I always suggest to anybody that's in their mid-50s or older that they get out of the market because whatever they do, and we've all known, nobody has a crystal ball, but we all know that the next wave is coming. So take the money off the table. If you have a 401k, you can set it aside and put it in a, in a 401k bank account until you figure out what to do with it. But the thing is that if we leave it in the market, we're susceptible to whatever the market does. And people think that because they say, oh, it went up 100 points and then it went down 100 points, and then it went up again, then they got their money back, but they didn't because when it goes down the 100 points, it erodes away at the money that you have in your bank account, and then you don't go back up to the same place. So what happens is every time the market drops down, you lose money. And the media is telling everybody, retire your 401K. Now is the time to retire your 401k because they know what's coming. So they're trying to tell everybody, but everybody's, you know, I, I joke and say, okay, put your money in the 401k and look the other way. <laughs> That's what they do. Yeah. They don't pay any attention to it. They don't see what's going on. They don't say, oh, maybe this fund manager is not the best. They, they don't look at anything. Maybe I'm paying too much. Maybe I'm paying yeah. way, way too much. Like, I, I, yeah. I didn't know anything about this stuff until, uh, you know, I read Tony Robbins' book on um, uh-huh. the, the money stuff. And I had no idea. When I, or I think maybe all novice money people who just have always managed to stay away from that kind of stuff all their life, and yeah. I look at 1% or 1.2% as uh, nothing, you know. Right. And, I, and I guess that's uh-huh. how this whole thing works. They count on you not thinking that that's a big deal. You know, right. fees here, fees there, little tiny things that you're taught to think, well, that's not a big deal. Look at my big pile of money. That can't be significant. And then he went through all the numbers, and I was like shocked. Mm-hmm. I could not believe what that really meant. Right. And I started right. to go, wow, now I really don't want to be in the financial industry because they are tricky, and how am I ever going to uh, know what they're trying to pull with me? Because I will never, right. I'll never know numbers like that. That's just not who I am. I'm totally type B creative. <laughs> I'm an artist more than mm-hmm. anything. So, yeah, yeah that and those freaks are the me people out. That they're counting on you not looking. That's the idea. And do you know, there's, it's been said that there's as many as 17 layers of fees in a 401k. Wow. And that's why people can't make any money. They can't. It's so much better to have multiple streams of income than to try and rely on a 401k. I believe so, that 100%. <laughs> yeah. And I tell your listeners, get out of the market. No matter what you do, get out of the market. And there's things you can do. There, you know, there's other things that you can do that's so much safer and that have guarantees on them. And I call it a donation into the market. And even when I had my California C Corporation and I had all those people working under me, I told them, don't contribute to the 401K when I could see what the market was doing. And I stopped contributing. And the reason that these big companies want you in the 401K is because they have to have like two-thirds 
approximately two-thirds of the employees in it in order to maintain it. And so they make mm-hmm. it sound like it's something very special. And then they give you a 3% contribution. Yes. Um, and that 3% is almost nothing if you multiply it out. It's just nothing. And it's better at this time right now to pay the taxes because we're on the lowest end that we've ever been. I think it's in 20 years. And how do we know what it's going to be when you go to take it out? We don't because they can change it anytime they want. Yeah. So, you know, it's better to just pay the taxes right now until they start ratcheting up the, the tax base again um, and then do what is best for your money rather than banking on the fact that that money is going to be there later when you want to retire like it wasn't for the 2007-2008 retirees or the fact that you, you're going to lose it in the market. It's at your choice. Yeah. And pay more taxes when you get it out. So there are really, uh, you know, much more solid places to put money. In light of all of the things that you've said, and uh, and and the big education I think a lot of people are getting these days because somebody had to start saying that <clears throat> stuff in a really big way. And people like Robin have a really big megaphone. You know, when they say mm-hmm. something, it just, you know. So somebody felt. Uh, empowered. Now everybody's talking about, and everybody feels a lot more comfortable talking about 401s versus that kind of investment versus, you know, um, real estate. Or um, we, we, my other company uh, manages some sites for people who invested in websites that were turning a profit, um, and you know they hire us to manage those properties exactly the same way you would hire a rental manager uh, from a real estate. Mm-hmm agency or something like that for homes and they're investing in digital properties like they do in the, but what, what are those things that you would recommend to people or are there other things that you would recommend to people that uh, that they they would have as an alternative when they when they cash that 401k out what are they supposed to do with that oh there's a number of hybrid uh, products out there now that are um, secure and you know um, I won't say any names. Susie Orman always says don't do an annuity. Um, But she doesn't know about the hybrid annuity. She hasn't been licensed for a lot of years. And there's a lot of hybrids out there that uh, in the olden days, they were not a good investment. They just definitely weren't because uh, the insurance company would take whatever was left in there. But now it's given to the heirs. And it gives you a lifetime of payments. Um, And I have my own, and I put a lot of my clients into them because they'll get a bonus right away on their money, and then the money starts accruing. And and you can, once you decide to what they call annuitize or take the money, then you get it for the rest of your life until you die. Hmm. Even if you run out, you still get it. And that's a heck of a deal. That's great for one stream of income, right? Yeah. And, you know, we still have to pay taxes on our gains. We don't have any choice about that. But if you've already paid taxes on your gain, then you can put it into a Roth IRA. Now, I want to give you a warning here. 
do not take your 401k and put it in a Roth IRA. Huge mistake because you have to pay all those taxes right now, and it can put you in the next tax bracket. There's a lot of different things that can happen. Um, And also you don't have as big of an ability to grow as you would have. So you don't want to do that. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, but uh, okay. if somebody would have sounded, looked very smart and everything um, and told me to do that, I probably would have done that. So we're very lucky to have you on the show today. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad I could help you out, you know, um, and this is part of the benefit that all my students get to. I'm always telling them how they can save money instead of spend money because it's not about uh, making the money. It's about how you save it and how you use it. And, you yeah. know, uh, the, I'm seeing one of my most interesting things right now I'm seeing is <clears throat> people who are getting older, they're just giving all their stuff away. I'm watching my dad do this. And I, I want to refer back to what you said about people thinking that they've got enough money when they retired. He retired at 65. He's now 92. And he thought, he went, he went around and said, oh, my God, I retired on a quarter of a million. That's awesome. Well, in today's world, we say that's only 250000 And yeah. he's found out that it didn't make it. And so, fortunately, he has two houses that were paid for in full, so he just sold one of them. And I, I was talking to him about how much he sold it for and that he ended up with about 225000 but how far is that going to go? And, and that yeah. segues me into another way that you could have multiple streams of income because if you set yourself up in a life insurance policy with long-term care, you'll have income that way too because you only need two out of six things in order to start receiving your long-term care. And those two things are, I can't cook for myself and I can no longer drive out of many others. I mean, that's usually the first thing that goes. So then you start receiving your long-term care and that's another form of income for you. And if you do it correctly, you never have to do receipts. You can live anywhere in the world you want to and you receive that money in the form of a check or in the form of a going into your checking account, and you use it for anything you want. So now, that's another clear, way that I set people up. Just to be clear, this isn't if you're a bad cook and, or you are so bad that you shouldn't cook for anyone or yourself anymore. This is if you physically can't cook. Correct. Because I fall into yes. the former, and I think the latter is what you're talking about. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Thank you for clarifying that. But there's other things, you know. <laughs> but it's I'm just really bad at this. I can imagine the call for the insurance company. I'm just I just really suck at cooking. I'm not good. Nobody likes what I what I make. <laughs> no. It's not well, nutritious. You gotta have a dog Half of it's burnt. <laughs> <laughs> you have to have a note from the doctor. So um, Okay, well then yeah. if I take one of my creations into my doctor and he hates it and he says this is unpalatable, <laughs> I might get that note. You could try, but I doubt it, you know. But then you can't drive or you, you have to be incontinent or something like that, you know. Yeah, You've got to yeah. have two things. So uh, that's another. And um, so th- there's a lot of different things out there if you plan correctly 
that will bring an income to you, and you can set it up so it's incremental. So, like, if you want to start, you know, working part-time instead of full-time, then you can have money come in then. And then maybe in another 10 years you get more money because you want to travel more. And, you know, I love to travel, so my whole life's set up around traveling. (laughs) And I live in Mexico on the beach. So I'm... You know, I live the kind of lifestyle I want to live, and I've set it up so that I'll always be in that position. And you can wow, do it too. you sound like an incredibly valuable person for anyone to know. Because, and and the thing is, it's a really good thing to have you on our show today. Because if you look at all of our episodes, there's a strong, strong bias toward the making money part, like how mm-hmm. you're doing business, how you're using leverage to get money, and all of that kind of stuff, and how you can grow. Uh, but we have we don't have that many people who come on like you and tell us what we could be and should be doing to leverage that money that we're making in the mm-hmm. right way. And it's not like if we had this in 2010, it would still be relevant today. It's an ongoing thing. Isn't the playing field always active in this area? Yeah, I've been preparing this for 20 years. This isn't something I just started doing. And so if you start thinking about what it is you love to do, um, and then you can think about what do I need to do in order to have this stream of income later. That's where these insurance products are so phenomenal. That's why I got into it in the first place was because I started looking into my own and because my business that I'd had for so many years, I had that business that I bootstrapped for 17 years, I, I was able to see all the different parameters that, you could utilize in order to have streams of income. And then I just did one at a time, and now they all take care of me. So uh, even now, even though I'm working now and I really love what I do, I won't always be doing it. I won't need to because I have all these different streams of income. So let's and, and, shift gears a little bit, and we're not really t- we're not leaving the highway, we're not taking an exit, but let's talk in this lane over here about people who own their own businesses, entrepreneurs a little bit more on the nose. So uh, there's not probably a 401k being paid into, and I might be wrong about this because you know there might be entrepreneurs who are independent like me and hundreds of thousands of others that are actually have figured out a way to do that. But typically, we have a little bit of a different financial makeup than someone in corporate America or, or things like that. Are there any tips mm-hmm. or any things that you share with people uh, like that that are different than what we've already talked about? Well, what will happen, as an entrepreneur, we have SEP IRIS. And it's an IRA, only it's called a SEP. I think it's because we're separate. <laughs> I don't know. That might but make anyway, sense. Yeah, uh, we have step fibers. And your your accountant will say, okay, you made this much money, you've got to put this much money in your SEP IRA. So if you are putting money in a SEP IRA, it's the same issue. You're subject to the market unless you set your IRA up as an annuity. And there's been some talk about taking these fixed annuities away because they want you in the market. They want all of us in the market because we're at their mercy. So um, I'm trying to 
And I don't know if that's going to go through. It's just I, I've read a couple of things on it, and it's kind of I, I'm very aware of what's going on in the market, as you might guess. And so we really want to set ourselves up. If we're going to do an, a SEP IRA, do it with an annuity. And, but the only problem is you can do only uh, you can do an annuity where you have to put all of the money in at one time. So you may end up doing a lot of different annuities. Or you can put your money into a – well, let me back up. They limit us to the market or this one annuity. That's about it. And we can always do a self-managed IRA, but uh, that's a big red flag for the IRS, and not everybody manages it so well. And then they get into trouble, and then they get taxed on all of it. So the best thing to do, and there's only so much we can say on a radio show because we've got compliance issues, and that's why mm-hmm. anytime you have a financial advisor on or a financial planner or someone like me, we have to be careful about what we do say because of the laws. And we're, uh, the reason I don't have a Series 6 or 63, which is to work in the market, is because then we're totally tied. We can't say anything. And I wanted to get the word out to everybody. So if you're an entrepreneur right now, if I was you, I would invest your money in places that have security and you know for sure that they're going to grow. Okay? So there's some insurance policies out there called, we call them, I'm not going to name it, but it's called the bank of you because you can grow it. Um, you can, there, you never lose your money. You can take money out after a certain period of time if you need to use it, and it also has long-term care connected to it so that if you've been growing it all these years, then um, you can use it as retirement later, and it can just pay you, and you never pay tax on that money because it's, it's considered a loan coming out of the policy, and you never have to pay it back either. So that's one of those things that OJ knew about. In fact, he had three of them, and nobody can ever sue you for those either. So it's kind of an interesting policy. But this is what I mean by there's things out there that you can utilize, and and only the right people can talk to you about it because not everybody even knows. You know, everybody thinks it's go in the market, go in the market, go in the market. (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, and that's what's, Maybe that's because that's the only thing people can safely talk about or want to or whatever. But, I mean, what I'm finding here is, uh, you know, personally, and I'm sure that listeners are some listeners, I know we have some savvy listeners who've got all this stuff down or, or are a lot further along than people like me, but we, uh, you know, uh, especially marketers I've met who are like me um, and copywriters and, and service people and things, so we, we're really just – on that other side. I think that's why Leverage Masters has so many shows that are, are more focused on the making of the money uh, and not to do with it because, as everybody can tell, I don't know anything about this stuff except, you know, just what a novice might. And, mm-hmm. But this really makes me think because mm-hmm. you always hear people go, oh, they always have ways. But, but they'll say that in respect to people who are really wealthy as mm-hmm. if they're different and separate and that they have separate things. And while they might have separate things they can take advantage of because of their tax bracket and how much money they have to invest and 
But, I mean, a lot of the tools are available to everybody. It just seems like there's a lot more tools out there than, than the average layperson would ever know or hear about, which is why I'm really right, glad you're on the are. show today. Oh, well, I'm glad I can help you out. There are a lot more things, and um, I, I know because I do them, and they work. So uh, usually when I'm anything I'm teaching or anything I'm doing for someone else, I'll do for myself first so that I know that it works. Because how many times has somebody told you to do something and you say, well, are you doing it? And they say, well, no. So always ask, are you doing it? Are you doing what you're telling me to do? If they say no, you're not talking to the right person. It's just that simple. And know that a financial advisor, a financial planner, they, um, a planner is more, they'll help you more with um, other ideas, but an advisor it works a lot in the market, and they want to make money for you in the market. And they make good money making money for you in the market. So they don't really, they'll always tell you not to do an annuity, and they'll say, oh, that'll tie your money up if you do that. Right. And then you can't do anything else with it. Right, it does tie it up, but you have a guaranteed amount. <laughs> You know that nothing's going to ever touch that money and take it away from you, okay? Yeah. So, you know, if, what I tell people is it's always good to be diversified, but take some of the money off the table and put it in a place where it's secure and where it's guaranteed so that you don't have the fear of losing half of everything you have. Okay, let's let's flip it a little bit more and just have some fun with this. No pressure as a hardcore financial advisor. I don't want to make you feel like you're being put on the spot in any significant way. Let's have fun with it. I just had this big windfall. I won the lottery or some other windfall. A big contract came in. A lump sum of money has come into my business. What are some of the fun and quick and easy things that – you can talk about that people should be concerned with when that happens. What do they do with their money? Because a lot of us are just going to lump it somewhere and go, hey, look, we got this money. And we will just, I'm telling you from my personal experience, I know I'm not doing the right things. So what what do they do? Because this happens a lot. I mean, even if it's just a $25,000 thing, um, new contract, new bigger company comes in, new client, or a really big windfall, an inheritance, and uh, some sort of a winning or whatever. What What do you I tell people it. just for fun? What do, we, what do they need to do? Uh-huh. Okay. So, well, first of all, I want to clarify I'm not a financial advisor. I'm a certified financial educator. Okay? There's a big difference okay. in that um, because okay. I can teach on universities and in business campuses. So uh, what would you do? Okay, that's a great thing. Um, Well, I would take a third of it for sure and make sure it's secure. And like I said, you could put it in an annuity or you could um, start with one of these policies I'm talking about, but there's only a certain amount you can put into uh, the bank of you type policies. So based on whatever the life insurance is. So you can't put a whole load of that, but I would get that started and plan on contributing to it every year. So you'd have to put some money aside for that. The other thing is that it's depending. Can you give me a number on how much we're working with? $150,000. Say that again because you cut out for just a sec. Something $50,000. Let's say $150,000. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
So then you, if you want to, would you want to double your money? Oh, no, I'm not interested in that. Yeah, sure, let's double it. <laughs> so let me ask you, because I never make anybody else's decision. I only give them options and let them decide what's best for them. So let me ask you, would it be uh, how much of that money would you like to double? All of it. And know for sure that it will double. Well, then there's only then you only want to put it in one thing, and that would be an annuity because you wouldn't want to risk anything else. But I would, always ah. suggest, I would always suggest that you would want to have long-term care because we never know what's going to happen. Even at 21, I had a client that had a drunk driver that came across the median, and she ended up in a, in a halo brace, which is one of those things that you have over the top of your head and on your shoulders, and she couldn't take care of herself, and she had no long-term care and nothing to pay for that. So you always want to have long-term care so that you know you're taken care of in the future and you can still make your own decisions. Would you be willing to do something like that? Absolutely. That sounds perfect. Okay. So then some of that money can go in that direction. And we can look at that as maybe uh, depositing in 15000 of your money in that. And then the annuity, if you want, we can do 100000 in the annuity, and you'd have 200000 by it the time, at the end of 10 years. Now, depending on your age, we could reinvest it again, and then we could double it again. You see what I'm saying? So what we're doing yeah. is we, we just keep doubling that money. All right, and then the next thing is uh, I wouldn't normally say this, but I'm going to tell you what I'm doing. I found this company called USI. They've been around for a very long time. But now they've gotten into selling packets, and understand I'm saying packets, of Bitcoin for $60 each. Now, Bitcoin right now is about $3,700 for one coin. It grew in the last six months 500%. And they're saying that um, it, you might only be able to buy these packets for the next year or two. They're not sure. And um, so I'm having fun with that. You wanted to do something fun. So I would yeah. suggest that you buy into Bitcoin and have some fun with it. Uh, because I know if you have at least 100 packets, which is like around $6,000, then you're going to, uh, when you look at the budget calculator that they have for us, you'll see that you're going to start really ramping up, and they guarantee it 140%. Now, Bitcoin you can use to pay for other things, and it's never taxable if you don't put it in your bank account. Because with Bitcoin, um, and there's this great movie called Banking on Bitcoin that you should watch. It's very interesting. It's how it got started. It's in its infancy, and this company is talking about going public in a year or two. And I've never been able to, as hard as I've tried, to get in on anything before it went public. So that would be a really fun thing to do. And it's guaranteed 140%. So you can't beat it, right? Well, and plus you've already done some pretty hyper-responsible things with the bulk of this 150000 we're talking about. So, right. yeah, I mean – Let's have some fun and, and in, a, in an educated way because, you know, you watch the movie, get educated, look at this stuff, uh, you know, make mm -hmm. sure that those guarantees and things are there. 
you know, and it depends on how much fun. But you, did, you didn't recommend everybody go to Vegas. I noticed that there were no plans for flying to Vegas on this. So uh, well, I was, I'm, you, I'm curious I, as to why you don't recommend that. <laughs> That's the market. Put it in the market. You don't have to go to Vegas. <laughs> Actually, Vegas makes the market look even better. I mean, a little bit anyway, right? <laughs> well, I don't know. It depends. It really depends on how long you're going to be in it. But I, I was going to say the other fun thing I would do is to to take a trip, take a vacation, and reward yourself for all the good things that you did with your money in order to have money in the future. Yeah, because as Eckhart Tolle would tell us right now, there is no mm-hmm. past or future. The only the thing that matters is now. Is now. Yep. That's right. <laughs> That's right. But if you only think about now, you're going to go out and buy new cars and big screen TVs and, you know, you you won't have anything left. And that's a common practice for people who win money or receive money. Um, I have a friend right now who has been so swamped and no money at all, and she just sold her place. And she has she's flush with money. But she's not used to having it, so now she's going and buying another house that she's going to have to make payments on and put herself in the same predicament she's been in all along. So it's, there's uh, a mind uh, a mind. Doesn't she know what you do? Doesn't she know? I mean, she's your friend. She should be using you like crazy. What is it about Here's your friends that are the ones who take the least amount of your advice? I, I've noticed yes. that. <laughs> it's crazy. Yes. Well, and what's worse, she for years she was a financial advisor, so wouldn't you think she'd know? But oh, see, my goodness. She doesn't, she doesn't see how her perspective and how her mind thinks. And that's the other thing. You have to put yourself on a path and really understand in your mind that you're working toward a, a comfortable future so that you can enjoy your life. And it's not hard to do. It just takes persistence. That's all it is. Yeah. Where do people go to find out more about you? Because I'm having a little bit of a feeling here that they're really going to want to after they've heard this. Well, I'd love to hear from them because, you know, people need help. So you could go to Maximize Your Wealth Now. Don't forget that, now.com, MaximizeYourWealthNow.com. And if you go into the financial portion of it, you can actually take a free Uh, get a free dream score and find out where you are right now. And what that will do is um, your name will pop up for me, and if you want to talk to me, I'm happy to be there for you and support you in any way that I can. I'm I'm willing to take an hour with you and see what it is that you want to do in your future and what you're doing now and see if I can help you out. The other thing is that there's a – 22 things on my website under resources that are free, all kinds of videos on business and sales and finance, and you're welcome to all of it. And it's all there under the resources button. Wow. And, and Shirley, thank this has you been so really, much, really awesome. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. <clears throat> and it, this was a nice surprise for me. <laughs> I really enjoyed talking to you. Thank you for coming. We enjoyed having you. So thank you so much. And we will be back next week, same time, same place. Have a fantastic week, everybody. 
Tune in next week for another episode of Leverage Masters. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook on our Leverage Blackbook page to keep up with the latest. We'll see you next time on Leverage Masters. Thank you.